Thank you. If you can't get goosebumps from that, I don't know what will cause goosebumps. That was powerful. My shield, the glory and the lifter of my head. Oh. He was 31 years old. The year was 1792. He was facing a fossilized Baptist Union in Britain. They had been so surrendered to Calvinism that they said, well, if God wants to take care of the heathen or have them converted, well, he better do it so himself. And a little shoemaker, grown up, learning the trade of fixing other people's shoes, highly devoted to the Lord, found himself suddenly pastoring a small little Baptist church. And he wrote an essay of what we might call a little booklet called An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathens. We might not quite have used that language today, hopefully, but we get the point. Powerful, 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 where he was talking about how Matthew 28, the Great Commission, is for all Christians. This is a statement I'm sure you have heard William Carey, the founder, by this very article, became the founder, then of course the rest of his life, of what we call the modern mission movement. The logo, the slogan, whatever you want to call it that most people know, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. Now, how does that work? Well, we need to take a leap of faith. Another expression that has, I think, uh, often been, been applied to the Danish philosopher Søren Kierkegaard, who lived about 50 years kind of so behind, behind uh, Carey. But it, that expression probably goes far back way before there was a Søren Kierkegaard. What he's known for, though, is another thing talking about 70,000 fathoms of water. And most people nowadays may not know what a fathom is, but that's about a reach. It's about two yards. And here's what he said, to be joyful on the 70,000 fathoms of water Many, many miles away from all human help. Yes, that is something great. To swim in the shallows in the company of waiters is not faith. Jesus also spoke to somewhat of a fossilized faith and he simply said, put out into the deep. We're going to read from Luke chapter 5. Just the first 11 verses. Luke's gospel, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, 
he saw at the water's edge two boats. They were left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come help them, and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James, John, sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so they pulled their boats up on shore and they left everything and followed him. On the deep. What a sermon. I need you to see the, uh, the picture somewhat in your mind there. Uh, on the beach, so to speak, the seashore, and people are crowding in, gathering in around Jesus, and, and he needed probably to avoid getting pushed out into the water by everybody kind of crowding in on him. He needed a boat, and he got Peter's. And just wrote it out just a little bit from this. And that became his pulpit. Everybody there on the seashore. And he's speaking. And then he begins to speak. And it's in a powerful kind of thing we see. But the real encounter here is the one he has with Peter. And through Peter with all those who after Peter had followed Jesus. This is the calling of the first disciples. And it's an intriguing thing when you look at this. That Jesus ends his sermon by this call to action. He's not looking for acclamation. He's looking for transformation. And that may be a good word to put on your little white page in the sermon bulletin. Jesus is not looking for acclamation. He is looking for transformation. He's asking, can you be challenged to change? Really, what's going on? Put out into the deep. He's pointing to something as radical as a change, not only of what Peter does, which is heavily included in this, but also in who he is. Transformation, friends, happens 
on the 70,000 fathoms of deep water. Put out into the deep. That's really, if you start thinking about it, that's the place where your life can grow. That is the place where you can't touch the bottom on your own. That's the place where you depend on someone or something else to carry you. Think about this. That's the place where you say, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. That happens on the deep where you can't touch the bottom yourself. In fact, I may say it so strongly, say it's not until that we're on the deep that we truly discover our dependence. Think about that. It's not until we're out there on the deep that we truly discover our powerlessness. Swimming in the shallow waters, as Kierkegaard said, walking with the waders is not really faith. We may even say putting out on the deep is, is like a faith kantiki, if you know what a kantiki is, right? That's this Norwegian guy who said, you can sail across the Pacific on a raft. And he did. Faith, kantiki, put out there on the deep, out where there's finally a place for you to have some true depth in your life. To be where you can't touch the bottom on your own. It's an intriguing thing when you start to, to look at this and realize that Jesus is actually commanding here. How do you command this kind of stuff and not just, I would like for you to do this. And I think the only way we can understand that is simply because he realizes that unless we get under deep, we will not come to experience anything truly miraculous with the Lord. Where we become so dependent upon him, really, the very definition of faith as we find it in Hebrews chapter 11 ties into this faith is being sure of what we hope for is certainty about that which we can't see. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Paul says it even so strongly, probably summarizing Jesus' words here in, in, in a kind of the setting he is speaking in Romans when he says, no one, no one hopes for that which he can see. Faith is being sure of that which we hope for. This is a prerequisite, friends, being under the but truly experiencing something miraculous.
with the Lord. And I can't help but to wonder what's going on here. This is the calling of the first disciples. And it all begins with this lesson, the practical lesson. And I want you to kind of walk through this story with me. There's so much powerful things to see right here. One of them is that this relates to our humanity even. I've said it before that we don't have various lives. We don't have one that is a faith life, another one that's a... We have one life. What we experience with God is part of who we are and, and that deepens and expands our personality as we talked about just the other day. So as human beings, this is an important matter as well. We all have moorings, things that we have been tied to that needs to be untied, if you will, and loosened so that we can live our lives and grow. Sorrows, losses, memories we can't seem to shake, events in the past that tie us down. On a human level, there's a lot to be learned here also about getting out on the deep where you can't touch the bottom on your own. We have a way of just kind of latching on to certain ways of living and, and lifestyles and patterns and what have you that we don't really know why we do, we just do because that's what we always do and that's what we always did and that's kind of what we've seen around us and we stop thinking about it. And before we know it, life becomes just a series of ordinary events with very little experience of God's true interaction in our lives. And so in our text today, we look at something that seems to be a recipe for how to experience life in a full way. Look at what's going on in this text. Peter's saying, I don't know about this. I'm not really sure. I know about fishing. I've been out all night. I know the fish are there at night. We worked hard. We caught nothing. I don't know if you can envision stories like this. Here's this guy. You know, I can envision Peter saying, now, remind me again, Jesus, what are you doing? Oh, you're a carpenter, right? You built furniture, right? You built homes. Now, what, what am I doing again? Oh, you're a fisher, Peter. So what have I been doing all night? Who knows about these waters and these fish? Can you see this conversation going on? But something happened, something broke his moorings broke, if you will, when even though he was a fisherman and Jesus was a carpenter, he put into the deep. Why? 
Well, because you tell me so, I will do it. And I think maybe that is a reality that we need to learn more than anything. Peter realized through all this what he was not. He realized that he was not all that. He needed Jesus because he saw who he was not. He found grace in a new way. It did not just depend on him. I think before God can do anything truly in our lives, we need to learn to trust him. I have no idea what truly went on in Peter's mind, and you probably didn't either, but I can vividly imagine that he said, okay, I'm going to do it. Jesus asked me, I'm going to go out there. But all the way out there, as they were rowing to the spot, he was thinking, this is stupid, and this is just not going to work. Does he not know? Well, of course, he's a carpenter. He, he, you know, he's good for a lot of things, but this is not it. Right? And then it happened. Put out into the deep. That's where life is found. Even as Christians, as you look at this, In spite of the obvious foolish things, his faith overcame the things that he, with his mind, can say that is not exactly how it should work. Common sense, our own two plus two is four, doesn't always work. I'm I'm thinking, what would have happened, really? Because I think that can happen a lot to us. It may have happened many times to us. I know in my own life there have been times I've said, no, that can't be. Lord, that is too radical. That can't be. But what Peter noticed was that his own two plus two is four was different from God's way of thinking. Faith will help you to reach beyond your own two plus two is four, if we can say it that way. What if Peter had just said, I'm not doing it. Jesus, find someone else's boat. I'm still cleaning my nets. We just got in. I'm tired. I let you have my boat to speak to the folks. Now, if you want to get out again, make my day. John's boat is over there. Get out. I'm Finishing up, going home, time to sleep. Hope I'm not playing it out too much. I do think that that's a real possibility. You get the drift. But faith requires that we realize that he who says put out into the deep knows what he's saying, what he's doing, and he calls us to live out there. You place your own things at his disposal. Now, here's another thing that kind of jumps out at us as you read this text. Jesus lacked the pulpit Simon offers his boat. Is this just an act of friendship? That certainly was probably a part of it, but I don't think that was all of it. That may be a a way of looking at things, a different perspective. 
an attitude. And it kind of calls us to think, how do we think about the things that are ours? Are they ours? These are mine, right? All that I own, my house, my everything is mine. But I, because I'm a good person, will be happy to let the Lord use that ever so often. Or do we think everything there is, all that I have is the Lord's. And I'm just grateful that I, he let me use it so much of the time. See, there's a totally different way of thinking about what is yours. In, in Scripture, we have two very strongly contrasting stories. One is this. Jesus needs a pulpit. And then Peter says, you can have mine. And then when they go out, there's more than he could hold in his boat. So he calls the others over and says, let's fill your boats as well so we all partake in the blessing. Yes? Now in Luke chapter 12, there's a story about a rich farmer who had this amazing crop, an unbelievable harvest. And what did he do? Well, he says, I'm going to build my barns larger so I can gather all my stuff and have all my things. You can read it. I'll encourage you to read it. it begins in verse 13 of the 12th chapter of Luke. Mighty contrast. It's all mine. I'm going to hoard it to me. And then here, Peter sharing what he has so others could buy, be part of the blessing. I know some of you are business people, yes? You're thinking, that's a pretty good deal right there. Uh, Jesus knows where the fish are. I know how to catch them. Let's partner up. I'll get a few more boats. And we can all take them in, right? And if we really do this a lot, we'll take it to Wall Street and we're going to get some stocks and we'll make it public and now we can really do. Yes? Powerful, powerful difference between chapter 12 and the rich farmer and Peter right here. There's a difference, I think. Also, as we look at this willingness to step out on the deep between genuine life and mere existence. Mere existence is usually explained by the law of cause and effect. I do this, this happens, this happens, I do this, and so on. But life is lived truly where we anticipate, expect great things from God. We're looking for God's hand and for God's miracle. We're trusting him out there where we are powerless and where we can't do anything outside of his hand that carries us through it. Look at this text again. If you look at the miracle, the first thing you notice is that <clears throat> maybe there are some things that helps us realize miracles. The first thing is that it somewhat depends on the eye that sees. Yes. Peter had been out fishing all night. He caught nothing. Jesus said, let down the nets. 
And of course, it's possible, and we don't know if that's what happened. It might have been that Jesus just created a big school of fish right then and there. It didn't exist. All these fish just came into being just right there. But is it not possible or as possible that the fish were there, but Jesus knew what Peter did not know. He saw what Peter did not see. And he said, you go out here. This is where you go. And he let down the net and here it was. That God can see what we can't see. Knows, of course, what we don't know. Even on a human level, we realize that, right? Apples have fallen down from hundreds and thousands of apple trees, but there was only one who saw the law of gravity. It took a Isaac Newton to know that and to realize that. Steam has come up from all kinds of kettles, but it was only James Watts who saw the possibility of a steam engine. We need eyes, friends, that can see. The eye of faith that are looking to see what God is doing. Are you stepping out in faith? Trusting. Trusting God. Trusting that he will carry you. Notice also that what may set off our awareness of God's hand in our lives, it's what's going on when Peter said yes to Jesus' impossible question. You know in Peter's mind, it's already belabored, this was nonsense. This was impossible. And I think this, if you reflect on this for just a moment, you realize we do that a lot as Christians. We limit God. We have not willing to step out on the deep. We say, well, that can't happen. I know about these things, and this is just a dumb thought. It is in my heart, but it's not being lived out. Even as a church, sometimes there are people that stand in line to point out the impossible rather than to trust God. But Peter says, I know it doesn't make sense. Lord, I've been working all night on this. But because you say so, I will. Maybe we just haven't truly heard that kind of sentence before. Lord, at your word, I will. Because you say so, Lord, I will. There's an obedience here that goes beyond what we normally think of. Peter was the expert. Maybe that's the most difficult area really to allow God to show his hand is in the area where we think we are the experts. But when we realize that, 
that God knows what we don't know. He sees what we don't see. Even where we're the experts, the big catch is on its way, so to speak. I will lead you to a big catch. I think we have so for so long tried to measure Jesus' commandment against our own lives and evaluate it from that perspective. Instead of doing the other way around, we are evaluating our own lives in light of Jesus' word. At your word, I will. If I may say one more thing in that, in that direction here, that is that the willingness to do the impossible, what you have deemed to be impossible, is what makes Peter stand out as a faithful and later usable disciple. Again, I can't get through that thought. What would have happened if Peter just said, I'm not doing it. It's just not feasible. I'm wasting my time. There's no way God can ask me to do this. But he didn't. And so this became the lesson that Peter learned in the most powerful of ways. And immediately after that, Jesus calls him to be a disciple. It looks to me like this is something Jesus wants those who call themselves followers of him to know. Does it not? Is that not what it looks like? Immediately after this, come follow me. Fear not, Jesus said, from now on you will catch men. The call to be a disciple is a call to a change in your life. John had Jesus and Peter meet in, in chapter one in his gospel. And Peter meets Jesus. Excuse me. Jesus meets Peter like this. He says, you are Simon. But you will be Cephas or Peter, the rock. You are, but you will be. Is that unique to Peter? Not even at all. This is how the call from God comes to all of us. You are, but you shall be. Don't be satisfied with where you are at the moment. As a person, as a Christian, you are, Jesus says, but you shall be. Being just satisfied is exactly what had happened to the Pharisees. They replaced the striving for God's righteousness with satisfaction in their own self-righteousness. Things are well with us. We're doing it right. We're following God. We do all these things. We, we tie this way and we do all things just right. There's no way we're going to leave this pattern and then go out onto the deep where God may call us to a different type of life. 
What made Peter usable was not tremendous insight. It was not incredible ability. He simply said, on your word, I will. On your word, I will. To be disciples does not depend on knowledge and abilities. It depends on willingness and obedience. And often, indeed very often, Jesus talks about the willingness to get out on the deep. And so he says, this most remarkable word was probably placed straight into the way of their thinking and he twists this around. You are fishers of men. You are fishermen. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Anyone who had been in, in that kind of industry, if you will, of fishing, know good and well, they know that you have to go where the fish are. Be willing to be led by Jesus to that spot or even to allow him to make this whole event possible. This is the launching of discipleship for Peter and the others. Mission or kingdom living on the deep. Friend, I'm speaking to, as you know, good and well, right? A group of people right here, First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches, many of whom, if not most of whom, have been Christians for a long time. The church has been here for a long time. And many of you have been here all your lives, and even before you through your parents, their lives as well. And we find the form, as had Peter. Most likely his dad was a fisherman too. It would have been unusually if that was not the case. And maybe even before him, that. think of that. He got up in the morning, got in his boats, made sure his nets were all right, Got out, lowered him down, took fish up, rode back in, took the fish out, cleaned the nets up, packed them up, put the boat, went home, watched TV. No, he probably didn't do that, right? But <laughs> sat around, talked, got back up, in the boat, go out, lower the net, come, you know the story, right? Day in and day out, this is what we do, right? Went to the synagogue on Saturdays, of course, that kind of stuff, right? Other than that, that's it. Where is purpose, true life purpose. Not to catch fish, but to trust the one who truly provide, catch your life in his hands and hear him say, I'm going to make you. You were, but I'm going to make you fisher of men or of people. Fear not, Jesus said. Boy, that's a word you will need when you live on the deep. From now on, life will have 
brand new purpose, brand new focus, everything will change. Can we pray? Father, we ask that you will teach us to live on the deep. Even a simple, straightforward account of a day in the life of Peter. A life-changing day, indeed, in the life of Peter. Will give us inspiration, courage, refocused purpose. I ask, O oh Lord, even now, even here, that you will let us all hear these words, that we are willing to leap out into the 70,000 fathoms of deep water, trusting that you will carry us, trusting that you will be true to your word. Father, you will speak a special power and fervor to some here. We know that's how you speak, by your spirit. And to those you speak with that extra fervor, Father, would you just transform their lives, give them boldness and courage to stand up, bow down, and cry out also with Peter. Lord, go away. I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy of your presence. But I will go at your word. We need that encounter, Father, as individuals. And I want to pray right now as a church where we may impact this whole region, if not this whole state. For Christ. Work on us. Work on us. Work on us. Amen. Amen. Friends, can we stand and sing? And, and of course, uh, the front here is open. If you want to grab someone's hand, come and kneel. If you don't want to uh, come join this church or if you just want to talk to someone about your relationship with Christ we'll be more than happy to do that just whatever the Lord speaks to your heart <laughs>